Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Nice to see you all. Welcome. This is our last week of a fresh start. So you better you better get it fresh now. Well, we have we still have Sunday. Sunday, we're going to talk about being a little more trusting. That's going to be hard. Friend of mine says that it's harder. It's actually harder to trust God than to believe in God. Interesting. Pastor Frey, like write a paper on that, will you? We expect it next week. <laughs> Next week, we'll begin Lent. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm questioning myself out loud. Journey with Jesus. It's a pregame show to Lent, yes. Lent, Lent, Lent does begin the last Wednesday of February. Ash Wednesday is the last Wednesday of February. So it's a coming. It's a coming. It's not great for me. This year, because it Holy Week is the spring break. So, which is the first week of April. In James City County, spring break is always the first week of April, which I think is brilliant of James City County to do, because at least you know when it's going to be. Where uh, other places I used to live, it was whatever, wherever the sun was, that's where, <laughs> that's what it was, so. Um, Linda, while you're up, could you close that door for me, please? I'm, I'm heavily distracted by the people in Arthex. <laughs> it's one of those mornings for me. Let's pray. Gracious God, mighty King, glory and honor to you, our Savior and God. We come before you now seeking, seeking peace, seeking mercy, seeking reconciliation, And we pray that we find it through the witness of Peter and your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, so we uh, welcome to those who are online and welcome to everyone here uh, today. I'm glad to see you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. We continue our conversation. Pastor, don't sit by yourself, please. Thank you. No, don't sit by yourself, Pastor. What I said, sit with someone. Look, right next to Lois, she she actually wants you to sit with her. Yeah. So we want to continue the conversation of being a little lighter. And, of course, by that we mean the burden of sin, the burden of uh, regret, the burden of shame, those things that we tend to cling to and carry on. There's no, in my mind, no greater example of that than Peter being restored uh, by Jesus after the resurrection. To have a better understanding of that, of course, it would be important for us to revisit certain aspects of Peter's life prior to this moment. Uh, So uh, what I'd like to do is invite you to tell the story today Um, before we read the John account. uh, There's two other accounts that I think are vitally important that thread us 
to this point. I don't think you can, I don't think we can fully understand the restoration of Peter if we don't fully understand the denial of Jesus. Um, so to do that, uh, I'm going to let you tell the story. And by the way, if you don't know the story, that's fine. I, I'm not doing this so you leave here today thinking, gosh, all those people were smarter than me. Uh, the nature of Bible study is not meant to be like that, right? The nature of Bible study is to learn. So that's what we want to do. So let's go back first to the confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ. Okay? And can someone, would someone like to begin the tale <laughs> of Peter's confession of Christ? Uh, how does it begin? It begins with a question from Jesus, and Jesus says what? Who do you say that I am? Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others say a prophet or someone like that. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, so happy for this proclamation, says, what's the word? Blessed. Blessed are you. That's right, Simon Barjona. For this hasn't been revealed to you. No one told you this, right? This has been revealed to you by our God in heaven. That, that's, the, in essence, the, the crux of that story. Then Jesus goes on to explain what the Christ will do. And you don't have to say it verbatim in the account because you know what the Christ will do. And perhaps we can let Larry. Hi, Larry. Larry's got the microphone. And it works. Yeah. Uh, what will the Christ do? Someone, someone answer this for me into the microphone. What will the Christ do? Come on, you've been doing so well. Listen, I got all day. Thank you, he Mike. He will suffer and die. Yeah. That, and in essence, thank you, Mike. In essence, what he's saying is that uh, it's not going to look like you think, right? Um, uh, this Messiah will suffer and die uh, and, um, and be very different from perhaps what was expected. And Peter, Peter being... Uh, uh, Peter loving Jesus. Let's give Peter credit here, right? Peter loving Jesus. Peter caring for Jesus. Peter being Jesus' main man. He says, thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. No, <laughs> he doesn't. No, he says, uh, not on my watch. You will not do this on my watch. And then we go from blessed are you, Simon Barjona, to what? Get behind me, Satan. Right. Get behind me, Satan. That's a, it's a quick turnaround, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't even a day, I don't think, right? It was sort of the same moment. Get behind me, Satan. And in essence, what Jesus is saying is, is he calling, does he believe that Peter is Satan? No. What he's saying is, any... Satan's goal 
is to stop this event from taking place. Because if Satan can stop the Messiah from dying on the cross and rising from the dead, what happens to you? You die eternally. Right? So anyone that gets in the way of that, get behind me, Satan. This is important to remember when we read this passage today. Okay? And then, of course, uh, there's another thing that happens. Uh, I like this. There's a lot of images out there. I probably spend way too much time on them. But for some reason, I really was drawn to this one, especially in the sense of being a little lighter. Is someone willing, you don't have to, you don't have to quote the Bible, but is someone willing to describe what's occurring here? Karin, wait for the microphone, please. Karin, you look cool today. Yeah, I like that. Recouping. I know, I like it. Thank you. <laughs> it fits you well. <laughs> Thank you. This is the cock crowing. Yes. And Peter understanding and grieving. What has he done? That he has denied Jesus. That's right. And now as he denied Jesus, he's denied him three times. I like the image too. Yeah. I really do. He's denied him three times, by the way, as Jesus said he would. And uh, think about what's occurred here, right? Jesus has been arrested. Uh, his His disciples, his team has scattered. And Peter is questioned broadly. I'm giving the story. He's broadly questioned as to knowing who Jesus is. I've often thought, and maybe you have too, that not only does this event maybe reveal something about our basic humanity, but it also shows the intensity of the night, the panic that ensued that evening, right? Because they're running around and it's, You've been, in, you've been in that way before. Something is so hyped up, panicky in your mind that um, you're just reacting. So, hey, haven't I, haven't I seen you when that guy was arrested? I don't know the guy. Sure, surely you were with that guy. <sighs> no way, right? And, of course, a third time. And then, yes, Peter realizes what's happened and what he's done. And I, uh, you have to think that weight hung upon him, right? So Jesus dies, rises from the dead, and then, ironically enough, <laughs> just like Jesus does, he seeks out Peter. He's got some, he's got some unfinished business, if you will. So turn to John twenty-one. By the way, these events now shape John 21. The temptation, of course, is to read John 21 and to um, automatically go right to us, which I tend to like you to do. (laughs) Today, I want you to hold back for a moment and first understand the context that Peter is in. You are the Christ. You will not die. I don't know the man. 
Okay, John 21, Larry, get ready. Somebody read 15 to 19 for me. It's not very long. 15 to 19. Mike's on fire today. All right, go. Please. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than, more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to the show that to show by what kind of death he was to glory. He, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Hmm. All right. What'd you hear? Well, so three, three denials. Three, do you love me's, okay? Three denials, three do you love me's, three commissions, right? So feed my sheep is what Don said, feed my sheep, okay? But the end of Peter's life is not going to be very comfortable. Yeah, you know, the... Uh, Jesus does give a sign of what that means, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, and we'll dispute it even a little bit. Um, either way, it's probably not great, temporally. <laughs> uh, that said, um, it does show that Peter's not done. Peter's got work to do. It'll come to an end, but he's got work to do. Yeah, Gil. The very last words in uh, verse 19, follow me, Yeah. exclamation point. Right. Yes. Um, just like he began, right? Peter, Jesus sees Peter fishing. He says, follow me. He's restored. Follow me. I, I, think, it's, I think it's even deeper than that, too, than what I'm describing. But it certainly is that beautiful imagery of you've got work to do, right? Debbie, did you have an aha moment over there? Were you going to raise your hand or no? You, you can say no. I, okay. I just thought it was um, I, the first time I ever realized that he said, follow me, which was the very first thing that Jesus yeah. had said to him when he was a fisherman. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Claire, he's coming. It's the first time I've noticed that he calls him. Simon, son of John, or Simon Bar-Jonah, just as he did yeah. back when Peter's confession that you've yes. taken us to. It's almost like mom saying your whole name. You know? <laughs> yeah. You, you listen up. Right. Or, or maybe have a memory yeah. of him saying that. Yeah. Yes. Now, and remember, so, when, so at the confession, 
when, when, when Peter says, you are the Christ, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, right? His whole name there. Well, we see it again here. Don't forget that John, as a gospel writer, does love wordplay. He does love vocabulary. And he does love these images uh, when he writes. So it's very possible that John is intentionally letting us see these things through the words he's writing. Ken? Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Peter is challenging himself to follow the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever happens to you, I'm going with you. And he proved that that was not the case. Now, Jesus is saying, now, now is the time. Follow me. Yeah, yeah. Good insight, Gene and then Karn. Good insight, right? So go back to the calling of being a, up here, I'm sorry, Larry, uh, being a disciple. And he says, follow me. Um, Peter didn't do so well in the end. Um, now that you're restored, and I would suggest now that you have the fullness of who I am and what I'm to do, uh, follow me. You can make a case, and we'll touch this again. Peter didn't want to follow the Jesus he initially confessed in. He proved that. He proved that by saying, you will not die. Now will you follow me? Gene. Well, another irony to me is, you know, the first time Jesus said, you will be fishers of men. This will be an adventure. You'll be in charge. Now he's saying, follow me, and you'll be led around by people you don't like. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a complete reversal of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, there are some, Gene, who do believe that part of this restoration is putting Peter back uh, as the leader. I think it's hard to find that, but um, imagine if he was your first leader, you would want to defend that here, right? You would want to see that here. Um but yes, there seems to be a, a greater emphasis on who you're following rather than who's doing the leading. Yeah, Karn. Well, it's very easy for us to watch this unfold because we know the story over and over. Absolutely. Where the disciples are coming from, I think right now, is that they're coming off this wonderful high of Jerusalem. Here the people have reached out and applauded him and waved the palms. And now all of a sudden, the reality is starting to hit. And Jesus has never told them what's really going to happen. He's protected them from that and tried to bring them in some understanding of it's going to be a bitter ending, but they have no idea. Well, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. But at this point in John 21, they actually have the benefit of the resurrection now. That's all that's all occurred. And so um, now they can look back at that and have a couple aha moments. Right. Because they certainly when Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, 
He couldn't possibly understood the fullness of what it no. meant that Jesus was the Christ. No, and right? now they're grieving. And the well, grief has set in. The loss that they're going to have. Here that's the case. Yes. Yes. In John 21, they're now getting the reality that Jesus is alive. This is post-resurrection. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. But what you say is important. There is that, there is that uh, season of uh, not full understanding and grief um, and shame, regret, right? They, they were through that. And frankly, what we're seeing here, Karin, you're right. It just, be, just because Jesus has risen from the dead doesn't mean Peter automatically feels better. <laughs> I mean, he probably feels good. I mean, that Jesus is alive. But I don't know that he looks at Jesus and says, perhaps what we might do in the 21st century. Oh, I'm okay. Doesn't matter what I said. Doesn't matter what I did. Right? I don't think he does. Clearly, he doesn't do that. Right. I noticed. By the way, it's four hundred degrees in here. Yes, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that uh, Jesus addresses him very formally. He doesn't say, "Peter, do you love me?" He says, "Simon, son of John." Yeah. And it reminds me when I was young, my parents normally called me Jim, but when <laughs> they said James Carl, I knew it was not good. I'll remember that, James Carl. I don't know that my parents ever said, William Allen Harmon. It was more of a very emphasized Billy. You know, like it be, it be, it had, Billy had, when they were angry or wanted my attention, Billy gained like seven syllables. Billy! You know, that kind of thing. What I find interesting, too, at this point, Jim, um, you know, I'm, all, I'm a great lover of what's not said. Um, uh, we we would hand we would be tempted to handle this so much differently, right? I, okay, I've risen from the dead, <laughs> and I've let everyone know that I'm okay, but I've got some unfinished business. Well, 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 Peter, let's talk about you for a moment. Uh, what Jesus could do is belittle Peter, shame Peter, punish Peter, leave Peter out of the loop. Right, he could. It would be contrary to the nature of we know Jesus to be. The reason I'm going through this with you is because if we're to be like Christ, I think it's important to see all the things he doesn't do to the one who denied him. So let's take a look at it. Again, Peter, this passage has to be taken in conjunction with Peter's threefold denial of Jesus, of course. Um, interesting note, in the presence of Jesus' enemies, Peter denies Jesus. Now, in the presence of his friends, he'll reaffirm Jesus. Gene, hold on a sec. Oh, Larry. This isn't a union. You didn't get a break. Come on. <laughs> yes. Okay, Peter. Jesus knows Peter loves him. And so 
he reacts to that with with grace and with forgiveness and rebuilding him. But look at the way Jesus reacted to the Pharisees who also denied him. He did mock them. He did take them to task. Yeah. You know, so I think in part it was Jesus knowing who Peter was and who we would become that he reacted that way. Yeah, I so Gene is trying to defend a path for you to mock people and belittle people, and I, I'm trying to help you rise above that. No, no, that. So, so let's ride that train for a moment, right? Um, there is value and importance in relationship, right, and in developing relationship. I think, however, we also have to say that uh, part of Jesus' frustration with the Pharisees and the Sadducees was that they had knowledge that they were unwilling to connect to the truth of the Christ uh, for the sake of their own power, which is a different thread, right, of sin than Peter's, of course. Um, so so sh- surely there are times where we have to say, this is not this is not appropriate this is not truth and therefore we need to we need to stand in contrast to that right absolutely um, however um, we do see examples of Jesus do we not um, still expressing grace and love to similar to Nicodemus right um, to um, the thief on the cross. And here's what I mean by that. Here's someone he didn't know. Right? He didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, everything's situational on one level. Um, for us as Christians, what we strive to do, I think, and I, I know that Gene would agree with this. I'll speak in front of you for you. Right? Which is, it's important that we build relationships with people so that they can know our hearts and we can know their hearts. That by the way, that makes it not only easier to love them, but it makes it much more difficult to deny them, right? When you're in relationship with somebody. There is mercy and justice. Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, and we'll see this played out a little bit in the question that Jesus asks Peter. Um, I guess what I would say is even in our justice, um, we can be merciful right? Uh, we can show justice in a particular way that the world doesn't understand and often give, you know? Um, yeah. This will be for a class we might do down the road. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Pastor. Is it too radical to think, well, there I am. That's me up there. That's all of us. All right. And, because we all fall short of the glory of God. And do we see ourselves as Peter's? Faithful people, but we stumble, we fall. And the cock crows in our lives, too, at times, doesn't it? Maybe yours, Pastor, but I don't think it's ever in mine. <laughs> I always felt that about the younger generation. Not us over here, this table. 
I hope you do. Yes, I hope. I certainly hope. I think I, I think I felt that way in the last two days at some point when it comes to my faith life and faith walk and my desire to live for Jesus, right? Um, bring me back to this because I've thought of another thought on justice and mercy. And that is uh, also, um, even with Peter himself, when Peter denied Christ, Jesus didn't say, ah, it's a, it's, you silly Peter, you know, he said, get behind me, Satan, right? However, in the justice of God, he's always holding out for mercy. I think that's what I was trying to say in my external processing, right? Where the world doesn't often do that. Soci- culture doesn't often do that, right? In the, in, in, the, in the culture of the world, and by world I just mean humanity, uh, justice is only justice, and it requires consequence and punishment, right? Where I think in the heart of the Christian, justice is there is justice, and there are, there are consequences to justice, but in justice, we are always seeking mercy, a path to reconciliation, and truth, and the truth that is we know from God, right? And, and that leads then to this point as well. Um, you know, there, there are people today who struggle with understanding that they sin um, because they either associate sin with very specific actions that they know they've done, um, or we've become, right, we've, we've, and we have done this too, we're all experts in just explaining away our sin. Because if we all agree it's not sinful, then we can feel good about that, right? And we have to recall that we live in a fallen world, so our human condition is sinful. I'm sure over the 12 years that I've been with you, I've said this. I remember years ago, years, years, years ago, I was watching uh, a news, co- I don't want to say who, because it doesn't matter. I was watching a news commentator, and they were, it was a not a news show, it was a political show. And the person said, when will people understand that, that humanity is ultimately, inherently good? And I'm yelling at the TV going, no, it's not. <laughs> We, we find goodness in Christ. We, we, our foundation is in Christ, but we're inherently sinful. And, and because of that, we're constantly in this situation as we struggle between Satan and sinner, as Luther would say. Right? Yeah. Go ahead, Pastor. So often, even in the church, we do not focus on that whole concept of confession. We just kind of do it. We just kind of do it. We don't think about it. Were you here Sunday? Yeah, I was. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying many times. All right. There should be a great sigh of relief when the word is, your sins are forgiven. And we just kind of, okay, let's go. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Let's move on. You know, move on. Here we go. Yeah. No. And then what do we do? We go and sin some more. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, 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 be, I am beginning to believe that about all the parts of our, you know, all the significant parts of our worship liturgy, which is a controversial way to say it, but because what's not significant, but you know, uh, so for example, are are we taking the 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 moment to to read the words of the hymn and not worry about how many words there are, right? Are, are we taking the opportunity to 
confess, repent, hear, hear and apply forgiveness in our lives? Are we taking an opportunity to listen to the word? And right, I, I think in this, that's one reason we don't, as well as other places too. Right. Yeah. My hunch is some, many know. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Sunday was absolutely a wonderful service. Not Thank that, you, Carol. Not that they aren't always. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but the music was so touching, and everybody just joined in. Yeah. Secondly, your explanation at communion, I thought, was really, really good, because we've talked about this with our son-in-law, yeah. who doesn't like what the Lutherans say. But you explained it so much better than just the wording that we normally say. Yeah. So I appreciate that very much. And I think others who are maybe not of a Lutheran background really made a difference to them. Well, and I think to, I think that I'm, I'm ribbing Pastor Freilich, but I think the pastor's point is that we probably need to do that a little more. Mm-hmm. I, yes. So I that so. we, so we do pause and say, Oh, that's mm-hmm. what this means. And that's why I'm doing it. And, and to let it soak in and that's have an right. effect, yeah. you know, and I have one more thing here. I wonder why it was so important to tell us when they had finished breakfast. <laughs> because it's the most important meal of the day, Carol. It's in Scripture. And what's it say? They had, oh, well, they finished breakfast, but in the ancient Greek, it's Pop-Tarts. No, it's Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Jim. I th- I thought when you mentioned justice and it, it came to mind when we, we say the Pledge of Allegiance at the end, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. To me, that, it all sounds very positive. <laughs> but when you think about it, justice for all, that means I think we think of it as, and I want to be treated fairly. Yeah. It also means if I do something wrong, I should be treated fairly. And well, it's a double-edged sword. Appropriate. Yeah, yeah, but that it's equal justice, right? Biblical justice typically is more to the negative than, than the positive in the sense that it means consequences, punishment, that kind of thing. But, yeah. Last point, Ken, then at some point I have to teach you about these verses. Okay. I think, right? Uh, I enjoy the conversation. I went to commentary, and uh, it was – pointing out that Peter was the leader of the disciples. I never really thought about that. But he goes on to say sometimes it's Peter and the others, Peter, James, and John. Right. And now Christ is addressing Peter, follow me. Yeah. It's not in the vacuum. He's taking that point. He's leader of the disciples. I don't, I would imagine he said, follow me, Peter, and the rest of you too. Yeah, could have. And there is certainly significance here that um, on some level they all need restoration. But the one that we hear about is this one, right? So, And I think that is important for sure. And I think a strong case can be made that Peter certainly is the head of the band of brothers here. All right, let's, let's take a look at a couple things. Jesus says after breakfast, 
Um, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. So there's a lot packed into just this one verse. Um, What does Jesus mean by do you love me more than these? Does anyone have a hunch? I mean, I'm going to tell you some people's hunches, but I'm wondering if you have a hunch. Pastor Keener, hold on one second. We're coming to you. Um, that, along with what happens immediately after this, when um, when Peter notices John, uh, I think Jesus is putting Peter, he's reminding Peter of what an incredible competitive situation he has been in all his career as a disciple in what way more than do you love me more than these and i think one of the things that was really important to peter all the way through it is to show that he was the leader of the gang that he he was more loyal you know and and it was to me these three questions um illustrate once again the power of shame get somebody to stop and we i think it's very likely that as soon as jesus asked that first question the other disciples knew what was going on they knew where jesus was taking him peter was so enthralled with the fact that he was the center of intention that it took three times (laughs) for him to finally realize oh my gosh jesus calling me out in front of my disciples about the fact that i denied him three times hmm so you believe, Pastor, which is interesting, you believe that there's that Jesus is in some way shaming Peter. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. Uh, because um, the um, Mark chapter 8 that we started with, yeah. I mean, that was done in front of the other disciples, calling him Satan yeah. get behind me. I mean, you, yikes. And then um, when he was walking on the water and he failed to keep his eye on Jesus, uh you know, there again, uh, he, and I think um, one of the things that I felt on Sunday when you circled back in your sermon to the confession of sins is shame, uh, because that confession of sins, as you use it, the old one, it shames us. Mm. Poor, mm. miserable sin, sinner. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the focus, I think that because we've been teaching law and gospel in new members class, I, I really think that the function of the law is to activate the power of shame within our lives to change our behavior, to get us to stop what we're doing. Thank you. Interesting, right? In in the 21st century religious culture, uh, we don't want to be shamed. And so we we hear someone like Bill Keener say that, and the first human defense is, I couldn't, Jesus couldn't possibly want to shame me, right? Um when, in fact, what the law does is reveal the sin, and when the sin is revealed, then we can deal with it. Gene. Yeah, I, I mean, the word shame is, is, is such a uh, um, powerful word. Yeah, I, I, I kind of look more at a call to humility because Jesus says, do you love me more than these? And Peter doesn't go there. He says, you know that I love you. Mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I think he understands what Jesus is saying. Is yeah. Don't compare yourselves to these others. Do you love me? 
Right. And so Peter responds in humility. So, so to that, we're going to go back to pastor. <laughs> By the way, uh, when the question is asked, we, we already know that what Peter could say is, I, you know I loved you. You know I love you. I told you in the garden that I, or I told you when I was the one who said you were the Christ, right? I, there are places where I've told you that, you know, I loved you. I've got them all here and we're not going to get to today, but all these little biblical references. Um, so on the one hand, it could be more, it could be a defensive nature too. Like, why are you asking me that question? You know that I love you. Um, and Jesus is leading him to a deeper place of love. The Greek here, there's different words of love and we see it in we, the first two questions, we see one form of the word, and then the third question, we see another form of the word. There's great debate on what forms are deeper than the other form and what Jesus is trying to do. Pastor. Yes. Um, when shame hits me, we have two ways to go. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will lead me to humility. But the old Adam in me wants to <laughs> resist that and harden over. And that's why I think this whole thing with Peter is a miracle because Peter doesn't get hard and resentful. Rather, he again is willing to become humble Mm. and accept it and use it as a way to uh, empower his life. Jim, hold on for Larry. He's coming. It is hot in here. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just have a, a question of maybe it's the uh, interpreter, the the translation, but it's whether the question is Simon, son of John, do you love me more than you love these other people, or Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other people love me? I'm not sure which. Well, let's look at it. Right, so it could be. By the way, the ultimate answer is we don't fully know. Uh, it could be, do you love me more than these men that are here, right? Think about that. You denied me and went fishing with them. Uh, do you love me more than you love, um, uh, I'm sorry, the first one is, do you love me more than you love, uh, not the current people, but just these, this situation without, the situation as you described it, Peter, do you love me more than these men that are here? Some would say, do you love me more than these things? I called you to be a fisher of men, and what do, you, what do I find you doing? You're back to fishing like you used to. So do these temporal things f- fulfill you more than the things that I've called you to? Uh, it may be that Jesus is asking Peter whether in the, in the light of what has happened, if he still thinks that his love for Christ exceeds that of the others, right? So do you still think you're better than these guys, Peter, as far as loving, right? Um, The point ultimately is this is not an empty question, which I actually believe in Christianity we are prone to make it become that. Oh, you see, what's happening is Peter denied Jesus three times, and so Jesus comes and asks the question three times. See the see one one two two three three. Okay, we're better. No, this is a deep rooted question, 
His actions had shown that Peter, uh, that Peter had not wanted a crucified Lord. But Jesus was crucified. So how did Peter's devotion stand in light of this? Was he ready? This is Ken's point earlier. Was he ready to love Jesus as he was and not as Peter wished him to be? Claire. Yeah, the, the, the wishing, you know, not as, not as Peter wished him to be. When Luke tells the story about the denial coming up, he includes the, the disciples arguing about who gets to be first in the kingdom. Right. And Jesus says, you're not going to lord it over people. But then he, then he goes straight to Peter. So Peter had to be involved in that discussion. <laughs> and he says, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you've turned back, or I assume that means repented, mm. strengthen your brothers. Mm. So there probably is a tie-in here with the way Peter views them. Yeah. The way that he views Jesus. Sure. If, if we could, if there was a computer program out there that, that took away all the, the sayings in the Gospels except for the actions of the disciples. Right? Wouldn't that be neat? We could just, you know, when you click things on the side and you, when you're shopping at Home Depot and you, so I don't, you can filter it, right? This, you just picked, here are the actions of the disciples. What you would find is a struggle among the disciples for how they interact with each other. Who's going to be the greatest, right? Uh, th- this type of thing. And by the way, it, it should not go unmentioned that Jesus says at the crucifixion, uh, John, you care for my mother. It puts John in a certain place that, by the way, that Peter's not in. Well, if you've been there, John, maybe we would not. <laughs> you can see the, the human struggle there. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. John, I, I talked about the words. Peter's, Peter does seem concerned that his love is called into question. That'd be very Peter-like, right? Uh not about the precise quality of love that he displays, but rather uh, accepting Jesus' words for who he is. Peter is, is, is concerned that, um, uh, let me say it a different way. Peter, Peter's concern, not on the quality of his love, but on the question that he loves. Because I think he would debate that he could prove on some level that he loved Jesus, even though he denied him. Peter is then commissioned to tend to the flock of Christ. Keep going. 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, what did he say? Tend my sheep. This time the question is repeated, but without more than these. And some would say that we're focusing more on the love part. Peter replies the same, and here the commission is expanded. Exercise the office of shepherd over and against simply feeding the the sheep. See that? But it's more than just feeding the sheep. Now it's exercising your role as a shepherd in the church. By the way, um, 
this is sort of a neat, church history-wise, it's a really neat moment. Regardless of how you feel about the structure of the Catholic Church or um, the, the, the structure of uh, the hier- hierarchy of church polity, um, it, it's sort of being created here. So it's being birthed here. It's kind of cool. 17. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know, this is great. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. By the way, now, if you're just in case you're curious, now, finally, the third time, they're using the same word for love. Now, in reading this up for you, a lot of people dismiss it. They, a lot of people that I read, and by the way, a lot, it was like four, uh, the, the, the consensus was don't get too caught up on what degree of love we have here, or that does Jesus lower his expectation of love, or does Peter raise it up, right? Which would be all interesting conversations to have. Uh, the greater point is, do you love the Lord? And will you express that love in how you live? Be cautious here. We tend, sometimes we tend to reenact this as that Peter is now offended that Jesus asked the question a third time. It's really more that he's grieved by it. He's sad by it. Um, it's not frustration. Um, to Pastor Keener's point, clearly we offended him. He left. Uh, uh, <laughs> to Pastor Keener's point, it's, um, it would lead Peter to an opportunity to really reveal the, maybe the shame that he did feel that, P- that Jesus has to ask it, it, can't, it could not be unnoticed to Peter that he denied Jesus three times, and now three times as is being said. So now Peter takes an affirmative out. He takes the affirmative. He doesn't say, yes, Lord, this time. But rather, he, he, uh, he yields to what he knows about Jesus and that Jesus knows everything. Maybe said another way, You'd know that I, you'd know if I didn't love you, Jesus. You'd know. Because the Lord knows the heart of his people. So, of course, three times he had denied uh, his Lord, three times he affirms his love for him, and three times he's given a commission uh, to care for the flock. It is for, um, it is therefore worth noting that the one thing about which Jesus questioned Peter prior to commissioning him to tend the flock was love. This is from a commentary I read for you. I think this is important. I'm read it again. This, therefore, is worth noting that the one thing about which Jesus questioned Peter prior to commissioning him to tend the flock was love. This is the basic qualification for Christian service. Other qualities may be dispensable or desirable, but love is completely indispensable. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I have not love, so I'm a noisy gong, blah, 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 blah. I think that's important. That the heart of Christian service is love. That, by the way... It could, I don't think it does, but it could, if we wanted to have a little fun today, it could change the whole nature of what we just talked about. 
Because it could then be not about Jesus. It could not then be, it's possible then that it's not, say it correctly, it's possible then that it's not about Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Which I would, I would say this to you. Jesus doesn't need Peter's love. Right? This isn't, this isn't you and me going to a friend who we feel we're distant from and say, are we okay? This isn't that. Jesus doesn't need that. He may, want, he may want it, right? He desires it. He desires that reconciliation, but that's different than, well, my life won't be complete, Peter, unless we love each other. You know. Throughout Scripture, what, you know, what you'll see is that the purposes of God are achieved whether you're on board or not, <laughs> which gives me actually great confidence and satisfaction <laughs> as a pastor of the church. So what, what could be happening here is, Peter, if, if you want to get back to work for me, we need to talk about your love and the quality of your love and that love working in your life. Be in, it'd be an interesting conversation to have. I, I don't think it's that far off or that isolated. I think it's all connected there. So then, uh, for me then, I think what's happening is this. I found this image I really loved. You see it? See, Peter, I just love that. Uh, I particularly love it because if you could, if you could look at Peter's face, it's an anguish cry, right? There you go, Don. Help me out here. Turn the heat down too, eh? <laughs> see it? You can leave it out, Don. I can see. So, verses 18, that truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, okay, when you were young, we, we are going to run out of time to go, go through all this. But, yes, it does give an idea of how Peter will die. Before we get to that, I do want to tell you a couple of things that people say about that. But what's, imp- what's important here, ultimately, is that God is a God of restoration. And not only does he restore Peter, he commissions him, which, which, by the way, if you think about it, is very Christ-like, right? Go and sin no more. The, um, uh, even, even to Pastor's point earlier, when we when we sit in worship and receive those gifts and those signs, there sh- there should be a response to those. That's that's part of the Christian life. And so here, Jesus is, is showing us that. Um, th- there's been a sin. Uh, now there's been a repentance of that sin. There's been absolution of that sin. And now there is live the life, follow me in the way that I've called you to follow me. And in telling of Peter's death, what he's telling Peter is, you have work to do. You, you will serve me in a manner which will bring you glory, glory and praise. Here's another picture I like. The reason I like this is like, hey, we're fishing here. <laughs> Jesus, you're interrupting. Yes. All right, let's talk about Peter's death for a moment. We have uh, three minutes. Here we go. So there is evidence that stretching forth the hands was held in the, exact, was, was held in the early church as a reference to crucifixion. The stretching out of your hands 
would be crucifixion. And you probably heard before that Peter was crucified upside down. I thought this was interesting. This was found. Uh, this is by uh, Luca. And it was 1439. That's young. <laughs> if you think about it. Um, compared to where we are today. Um, however, not to burst your bubble, but there's there's lots of debate of whether Peter was crucified upside down. Tertullian tells us that Peter was crucified in Rome under Nero, and he sees in the crucifixion the fulfillment of Jesus' words here. Eusebius reports that at his own request, Peter was crucified head downward as to not be crucified in the same manner of Jesus. But many scholars debate whether this happened. It's, it's frankly just one of those things we just don't know. Ultimately, to Ken's point earlier, what Jesus wants Peter to do is keep following. Keep following. So let's, let's apply that for a moment to being a little lighter. Right? A fresh start, new outlook, new year. Um, as, as you come before the Lord with, with your denials, right? I mean, let's, if you really want to boil it down, your sin is a denial of Christ, whatever that sin is. And as you come before the Lord and the Lord says to you, hey, do you love me? Um, and we hopefully respond, yes, Lord, you know we love you. Um, and we receive the mercy of God. How is that mercy calling you into a life of following him, living for him? How's that? How is the mercy of God revealed in who you are? I think we're really good at uh, revealing to others uh, how sin affects us. We're not always so good at revealing how mercy affects us, forgiveness affects us, grace affects us. And by the way, if you look at the life of Peter from this moment, does a pretty good job of following Jesus. Love it. Look at that. I was nervous because you, listen, sometimes you guys, it's like pulling teeth out of you. And sometimes I can't shut you up. I love it. I prefer the latter than the former. Maybe that's right. You didn't have your Pop-Tarts. Um, John McDermott was uh, is in the hospital. He had chest pains. So he's at Riverside in Newport News having catheterization today to see if indeed there is a challenge for him. Uh, Jan and Fred... Reader, uh, grandson has meningitis, so they are uh, in Maryland with them. But the good news is that the strand he has, they do have antibiotic for, and they believe he will be fine in time. Marion Elsass will have triple bypass tomorrow in uh, Richmond. We pray for Marion. Bob Dickey continues to be at Patriots Colony. Um, any Patriots Colony folks want to go see him? He's in uh, 
rehabilitation, I guess, convalescence uh, from uh, back surgery. He had cancer in his back, and they removed the cancer, put a, a rod in there, yeah, some new discs. Uh, but he'll be there. He'll be there a while. So if you want to see him, Bob Dickey is his name. I think that's. Yes, thank you. Um, yes, the Linda had a procedure yesterday. It took longer than expected. Um, they believe that there was some positive results from it, but they would know, they would see, they would see whether that was the case more today. So so far so good. We'll see. Karn. Yeah, Tara uh, will leave Friday or Saturday to go to Colorado. Um, Todd will be with us for another week or two. Um, so safe travels for Tara. Yeah? Yeah, Gil. Okay. So Dee's got some numbness, and she's going to see the doctor today. Okay? Oh, he is. Jim Bowden had his knee replaced. Is today, and he uh, was doing rehabilitation for it, and it popped. Is the best way to describe it, right? <laughs> and all, and all that that means. So he'll have surgery today. So any of you who have knee replacements coming up, don't worry. Just uh, see, just see what doctor he had, you know. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Gracious God, mighty King, uh, thank you today for a great conversation and. And discussion. I value this time with these friends and I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, we pray for um, all those who are in need of your healing love, especially those on our prayer guide. And today we pray for uh, Dee and for John and for uh, Jim and for Linda and for Bob Dickey. Uh, the reader's grandson, Henry, I think his name is. Uh, Mary and Elsass for successful surgery tomorrow. Uh, and Lord, we do pray for Tara and Todd as they prepare to transition to Colorado, especially for Tara as she leaves this week to drive to Colorado. Give her your travel mercies, uh, protect her, keep her in your care. Um, Lord, we thank you for uh, this moment with Peter and uh, the opportunity to be reminded that you are a God of restoration, you are a God of mercy, uh, and you are a God of commissioning. And so, Lord, may your mercy and love inspire us to follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.